Newton takes it in for the touchdown. Extending his NFL record with a 59th career rush touchdown. I tell you, he's so big, you don't realize it till you see him in person. You feel comfortable running him. All right, and welcome back to episode three of the Leiden podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit of a mixed bag of things, but we're going to start off talking about the Patriots, more specifically Cam Newton, how he looked. We're going to be talking about the Boston Celtics beating the Toronto Raptors to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, where they'll be matching up against the Miami Heat. Um, We're going to talk about how that series, I think, is going to shake out, a couple of the challenges that I think the Heat are going to present, and, you know, just my overall prediction. And then finally, we're going to finish with a little bit of daily fantasy football. Uh, this one, this segment's going to be more so a recap on how the previous weekend went and how a couple of my, you know, my top guys, my highlighted guys played. And um, I would like to get in a second podcast this week as well so I can preview who I will be playing for week two. Um, I know I didn't get the chance to do that this week, but hopefully things clear up and I'll be able to get, you know, one or two podcasts out every single week. So without... Uh, too much rambling. Let's get into the podcast. So, of course, we have to start off with how the Patriots week one matchup went. A 21-11 win against the Miami Dolphins. The defense looked great. Uh, but more importantly, this is this was Cam Newton's first start as the new Patriots quarterback. This is the first game for the Patriots in the post-Brady-Belichick era. And I am I'm thrilled with what I saw. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm a little bit biased when it comes to Cam Newton. I've always loved him as a quarterback and as just a talent in the NFL. When he's healthy, you know, you can't argue this. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, by far one of the most dynamic. Um, you know, health was always a question, but from what I saw, uh, he looked he looked awesome. So they ended up running him 15 times, 15 rushes, 75 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. He went 11 of 15 for 155 yards, so not much from the passing game. But to be honest, I didn't think you you needed it too much. And I didn't really expect the Patriots to come out and throw for 300, 400 yards. Um, this is a brand new style of offense. I expected it to a certain extent, all the design runs. I What I did not expect is how creative they would get with a lot of the a lot, of, a lot of the runs that Cam Newton had, even outside of the, the read option, like that second touchdown where he scored, uh, it was a fake handoff to Rex Burkhead, and he started off under center and basically pulled it back almost like a bootleg and beat one of the linebackers, I believe it was Jerome Baker, about 10, 15 yards to the right pylon. And that just shows you that this offense is going to be drastically different than it was with Brady. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you look at how the offense has been constructed the last two years, last year with Tom Brady, this year with Cam Newton, it's obvious that the Patriots don't have a ton of pass-catching options available to throw out there week in and week out. Do I think they're as bad as everybody claims them to be? Uh, No, I don't. I think Julian Edelman can still be a serviceable wide receiver one. 
I am 100% not ready to give up on Nikhil Harry, who two years ago was one of the best wide receivers in college, first round draft pick, battled injuries throughout his entire rookie season, and is now having to work with a, a brand new quarterback and a very, very different offense. So I'm, I'm going to give him a lot of time. He has the physical traits to become a very good wide receiver. I personally see a little bit of Des Bryant in him with the, you know, or the potential to become like a Des Bryant, big, strong, physical outside wide receiver. That has some breakaway ability, so I, I'm not I'm not ready to can the pass receivers or the the Patriots uh, pass catchers as you know a bunch of scrubs. I still think there's talent there, but the good thing is when you have a guy like Cam Newton and he showed you this this past weekend, Cam Newton can literally be your entire offense. Fifteen rushes, seventy five rushing yards, and two touchdowns. The Patriots as a whole ran for eighteen first downs in the game. Just, just with the run, I believe they had 26 first downs as a whole. So let's call it 65, almost 70 percent of their rush or of their first downs came from the rush. That's something that most likely wouldn't happen with Tom Brady. Now, do I miss Tom Brady? 100 percent. I'm one of the biggest Tom Brady fans. I'm sure everybody in Boston feels the same way. One of the biggest Tom Brady fans there is. It sucked to see him lose uh, yesterday against the Saints. The Saints are a very good team, uh, but. Cam Newton, you can build your offense so that Cam Newton is that dual threat type of quarterback where he can go run for 15, 20 yards. He can break off a 15-yard rushing touchdown. And and this is something that that the Patriots haven't been able to throw at at defenses in 20 years. You know, when you look back at Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, they ran a lot of similar things with Cam Newton and Jacoby Brissett when Jacoby Brissett had to sub in for Jimmy Garoppolo when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. I think Cam Newton is going to be a a very, very much needed shot of life into the offense that looked dead last year. And it sucks that Tom Brady went out this way. It sucks that, you know, we'll, we'll never get to see him in a Patriots jersey ever again. But if there was anyone to come in and replace Tom Brady in, in what I believe to be a short-term, one-year situation... I want it to be a dynamic, potential MVP caliber quarterback in Cam Newton, where you can do a whole bunch of different things. It, it, it benefits the team as a whole. It looks different, so we're not comparing you know, a guy like Jarrett Stidham or you know, if Andy Dalton came in. We're not comparing and running a very similar offense and seeing all the holes and how much we actually miss Tom Brady. Cam Newton brings his own offense to the table week in and week out. Is there a chance he gets injured? 100%. But Deshaun Watson has a torn ACL three years ago. Patrick Mahomes missed three games last year with a dislocated knee. There's always going to be injury risk, especially with a rushing quarterback. That's 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 a given, right? But in a one-year situation where you need to switch everything up very quickly and you don't have the best pass-catching options available, you want a guy to come in and literally be the new the new offense. He can give you everything you need. So I know there's a little bit of hate for Cam Newton coming in. Everybody was skeptical. I was a massive fan of the signing. I was a massive fan of the player before the signing. And I am thrilled to hear that people are kind of jumping on the bandwagon right now and becoming Cam Newton fans after one game. Now, should we get our hopes up and expect this team to, you know, take down the, the Chiefs, Ravens, all the best teams in, in the NFL? No, not yet. But I think we're 100%. This team is trending in the right direction to potentially challenge those guys. 
and I'm excited to see it. I think it's it's going to make for an incredibly fun season. Like I said, Cam Newton, one of my favorite players. Now I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to be turning a whole lot of heads. If he if he stays healthy, I think he has a chance to to potentially become an MVP. And if he if he comes to the New England Patriots, wins an MVP, and brings the Patriots you know to an AFC Championship game or maybe even contend for a Super Bowl. He's going to get absolutely paid. I'm not sure if it's going to be with the Patriots or not, but he deserves it. Everybody saw, especially guys that were kind of doubting them or doubting Cam Newton, down the Patriots as a whole. You saw what they can do when you have talent at the quarterback position, unlike we've had from a rushing ability in 20 years, how different that offense can look. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we saw a little bit of a flash about, you know, former MVP Cam Newton, former number one overall pick. And I think I think the Patriots are going to surprise a whole lot of people that were not that were not expecting them to do well. So the defense looked great as well. Uh, we have, in my opinion, we have the best secondary in the league. We held the uh, Miami Dolphins to four for 11 from uh, on third downs, which is awesome. Stephon Gilmore started the season with another pick. I think he might make a run at another Defensive Player of the Year award. So I, I'm really, I, I'm very excited about what we saw uh, from from a, a schematic standpoint. Now, the only thing that I'm going to be a little bit hesitant about is this next four-week schedule for the Patriots is going to be probably the toughest part of the schedule throughout the entire year. Um, coming up, we have the Seahawks, I believe, on Sunday Night Football. I believe we play the Raiders, who I'm not too worried about, the Broncos, and the Chiefs the next three games. Now, I could be wrong, but I know we play the Chiefs in, in Week 4, and we're playing the Seahawks next. Those are two teams that I believe could, could win a Super Bowl. So what we need to do now is we need to sit back, take the good and the bad from the Miami Dolphins game. You know, the Dolphins, they beat us last year, but they're not one of the most talented teams in the league. They're not going to be making a deep playoff run by any means. But take the positive from what we saw this past week, move this on to next week, and the real challenge will be in week two on the road in Seattle. How does Cam Newton, how does that offense look against a potential Super Bowl uh, contending team? and a potential MVP in his own right in Russell Wilson. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, Cam Newton definitely met and exceeded my expectations for week one. I'm thrilled that so many people are kind of finally buying in on him. He's a dynamic player, and and I love the fact that he really kind of showed out. So I'm excited. Next week, Sunday night football, uh, and and I think we have a breath of fresh air into the into the Patriots season. You know, some people were doubting, but I, I'm excited, and I really think we're gonna we're gonna turn some heads. So, uh, moving on, we're gonna talk a little bit about the Celtics. Uh, let me know if you want to uh, DM me on Twitter, Instagram, send me a text if you have my number. Let me know how you think about the Patriots. Let me know how you thought about Cam Newton, about the defense, whatever I just talked about. You know, I want to establish a little bit of a dialogue, a little bit of a, a communication with anybody that's listening out there. So hit me up. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter is at the Leiden Podcast. And if you have my number, you have my number. So, you know, reach out. Let's talk. So uh, right now, let's move on to the Boston Celtics, moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right. Now, moving on to a little bit of basketball. The Celtics are advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. They beat the Toronto Raptors in seven games in an absolute rock fight. Um, the amount of overtime games and you know chippy physical basketball, one or two possession wins and losses. 
that's that's what playoff basketball is all about. And all credit to the Toronto Raptors. They were a championship team last year. Um, they gave the Celtics a hell of a series. Um, I thought, you know, obviously after, you know, two and, you know, seven eighths of a game, you know, basically five, two point five seconds left in game three, I thought the Celtics were going to sweep. And the second that that shot by OG Ananobi went in with 0.5 seconds left to win that the Raptors game three, I knew it was going to turn into almost a six or seven game series. When you give a championship caliber team like that, and not even a championship caliber team, but almost a, a, a championship pedigree team where they just came off winning a, uh, a championship with Kawhi Leonard last year. They don't have Kawhi Leonard, but they still have that makeup. They still have one of the best coaches in the NBA and Nick Nurse. Um, when you give them a chance like that, that's a major momentum swing. I think that was a one in a million pass by Kyle Lowry and a one in a million shot by OG Ananobi. Um, and you know, once again, you give a team like that life and they're going to, they're going to start to battle back and they 100% did, but the Celtics did a great job with standing that, that, uh, you know, late push, uh, won it in seven games. I never really lost confidence in the Celtics. I just knew that they were kind of in for a, a, a definite, uh, a battle after that, that game three, you know, late win. Uh, it was a game that the Celtics were pretty much handling throughout the entire the entire game. And then, you know, that, that shot goes in, but, um, they showed that they can win a really tough series in the playoffs. And, you know, the point I was, you know, I'm slowly trying to get to is be prepared for a whole bunch of those games against the Miami heat. Um, you know, if you, if you were exhausted after watching the Raptors games, you're going to have that same feeling watching these Miami heat games. The Miami heat are one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. They just beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the best team in the entire NBA record-wise. They have a back-to-back MVP in Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. And for them to handle the, the best team in the NBA in five games with a healthy MVP, it really shows something to how well the Miami Heat are playing, specifically within the bubble. Throughout the entirety of the season, they are number two in the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. They're shooting about 37.9%. Um they have some of the best individual three-point shooters and defenders in the NBA. So, you know, guys like Duncan Robinson, who remind me of almost like a, a poor man's Clay Thompson or J.J. Redick, um, one of the best shooters in the NBA, really doesn't need a dribble at all, just coming off, you know, pin downs and dribble handoffs. He gave he gave the Celtics a whole bunch of issues the last time they played. I believe he had five threes in the first half, the, the uh, game they played in the bubble. And, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to be able, be able to stretch the floor. They play a very similar style of basketball, uh, uh, compared to the Toronto Raptors where they're physical defensively, they switch it up. The one thing that's going to give the Celtics and more so Celtics fans, a little bit of a headache. If you're not watching the NBA too closely, um, the one thing the Toronto Raptors did to really kind of mess up the flow of the Celtics offense was switch up whatever type of zone they were in. And specifically they went to a box and one with uh, basically face guarding Kemba Walker. So full denying him the ball, wasn't giving him any opportunities. Once he got off the ball, once he passed it, they didn't let him get it back. Um, you know, the, the Raptors zoned up a whole bunch, switched up their defensive looks and the Miami heat are one of the most zone heavy teams in the entire NBA. So I really believe that the Celtics, A, are going to see a whole bunch of zone um, in this series as well. 
but B might be more ready and able to deal with that because they're starting to, they, they saw it the entire series against the Raptors. Um, now, obviously, you know, you'll see a team, you know, in specific situations, the Celtics sometimes will go like a diamond zone, uh, in, in that game three, when OG and Anobi hit the shot, I thought it was the right call to switch up the defense. Uh, the Celtics use that diamond zone as well, just to give them a different look coming out of a timeout. And, um, so the Celtics do it as well, but they do it more kind of situationally. Whereas the heat and the Raptors, the Raptors more specifically in this series will go to it for several possessions during a game and just regular half court defense. And it re- if you play it well, especially in the NBA, if you play it well, you use your length and size, uh, you know, for a, um, uh, uh, just a quick switch up and a quick, you know, uh, uh, different look that you're going to give the the opposing team it's it's really really difficult to score if you're running it well and the Miami Heat are one of the best zone teams so I really think that there's going to be some some issues that still pop up especially you know maybe face guard and Kemba again and see you know how the Celtics respond to that but we've seen it before and I really do believe that Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA and he's going to have a game plan for whatever the Miami Heat bring you know, we like I said, we saw some zone, so he's going to be prepared for that. Um, the number one matchup, the top matchup that I'm sure is on everybody's mind is Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, caught a little bit of flack the last couple of years. Um, you know, bounced around from the Timberwolves to the 76ers, and you know now he's with the Miami Heat. I think he's one of the best defenders in the NBA, and I also think that he's going to be a championship level player throughout pretty much his entire career. I think he's pretty misunderstood. I I really do believe that he's just like one of the ultimate competitors in the NBA. And that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. You know, I'm sure almost like a a Kobe Bryant type mentality where if you're not going 110% every single day when you're around him, then you need to get off his team. And that doesn't jive with everybody. It doesn't jive with, you know, especially a lot of superstar players in the NBA who think that, you know, they can kind of coast or, you know, just, go based on their talent um, or succeed based on their talent. Jimmy Butler is not a guy like that. If you read his story, he was basically homeless for periods of his time uh, of, of his life. Uh, since he was 13 years old, he sent his national letter of intent to go to Marquette from a McDonald's. He faxed it in from a McDonald's. Um, he was basically listed as a center when he was playing for Marquette and by the time he ended up going to the draft, they basically switched him to a small forward, almost shooting guard type because he was just so good defensively, but he really ha- had to build up his skill set when he was with the Chicago Bulls when he was drafted to become a, a, a perimeter player offensively. And not only did he did, did he do that, but now he's a several time all-star widely regarded, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And he's going to be matching up against who I think is going to be a perennial all NBA type player in Jason Tate. That really is the matchup to watch. That's going to have major NBA Finals implications as to who can quite literally win that individual matchup. Um, Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler, I think, will be the focal point throughout the entirety of the series. Um, the Miami Heat are very, very comfortable. They did it with the Miami, I'm sorry, with the Milwaukee Bucks series of playing these slow kind of grind them out possessions on on defense. You know, hit a quick three on offense. And really make you work, especially on the on the defensive side of the ball, make you work for every single basket and every single point. And the Celtics are 
very much accustomed to playing against that because of the Toronto Raptors series. But the more that those games add up, my only concern in regards to how well the Celtics are going to do is how much the physicality of in, in the physicality and the the endurance will be tested from a bunch of younger players. I think they have more than what it takes to accomplish that, and I believe that if they do end up winning this series and making it to the NBA Finals, it really solidifies this team as probably one of the next up-and-coming teams to win a couple NBA championships within the run of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown if they can keep this crew together. So with that being said, I believe the Celtics will win in six games. I think it's going to be a dogfight just like the Toronto Raptors series. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of very exciting games. The Celtics will rely on their top-end talent and their elite-level coaching to match up with Miami's elite-level coaching as well. Um, I think the Celtics are going to have great series out of Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown, the last couple of games of the Raptor series, was really kind of getting the short end of the stick. He was having a whole bunch. He was he had great looks those last two games specifically, and they just weren't falling. So I think he's really going to bounce back in a major way. I think we're going to see the ascension of Jason Tatum taking on one of the best individual defenders in the NBA in Jimmy Butler and outright winning that matchup, which will in turn help the Celtics make it to an NBA Finals. Um, I'm super excited about this series. I, I'm going to, as a basketball coach myself, I'm going to be taking a whole bunch of notes and, you know, learning from the best. And I, I'm really anticipating a fun matchup and hopefully the Celtics can come out. So like I said, Celtics and six. Let me know what you guys think. Like I said, my Instagram is at the Leiden Podcast. Same thing with my Twitter, at the Leiden Podcast. And let me know your predictions. Let me know what you think. And finally, let's move on to a little bit of fantasy football. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of the guys that I highlighted before the season and uh, a couple of guys that I that I based my lineups around for week one of daily fantasy. I ended up profiting off of uh, $54. I profited uh, $75, so not a bad turnout for week one. Uh, week one's always a little bit shaky, so I'm glad I got something out of it. Um a couple of the guys that I really focused on uh, before the season started was number one, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who I drafted in my only regular season league. He uh, led the entire NFL in rushing yards this past week with 138. He also scored a touchdown as well. Like I said, he is in the absolute perfect spot, um, being with the Kansas City offense, being coached by Andy Reid. Um, I think he's going to light it up this year. And this is all, you know, he had 19.8 fantasy points, 138 yards, one touchdown. He did not record a catch. And he led the SEC in receptions from a running back with 55 last year. So he was a top five fantasy scorer, led the NFL in rushing. And uh, this past week, he led the NFL in rushing and did not catch a pass. Um, that's going to be the majority of where I believe he gets his points from. So for him to have almost a 20 point performance, his first week as a, as a rookie and literally not catch a pass is, is pretty awesome to see. He also went, I believe Oh, for five from goal line touches. And you can take that one of two ways. If you watch the game, it was very obvious that the Houston Texans offense, uh, or I'm sorry, the Houston Texans defensive line was absolutely selling out for the inside run. They stuffed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire several yards behind the line of scrimmage pretty much every single time. Um, that 
wasn't necessarily the greatest thing to see from a, a an offensive line standpoint, but what was really, really encouraging was he got every single one of those goal line touches. They went back to him a couple times. You could tell Andy Reid was trying to force feed him the ball. Um, the only the only thing that I would like to see a little bit more of is I'd like to see the Kansas City Chiefs start to do a little bit more outside runs along the goal line. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's five foot seven, two hundred pounds. He's by no means Legarrette Blount or Leonard Fournette or Derrick Henry. So I believe that he really should be using his quickness instead of his strength. He's a strong runner, but when it comes to you know running over six 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 seven, you know JJ Watt um, in that Houston Texans defensive line, no one's going to be able to do, to do that. So um, I think schematically they can it, they can make it a little bit easier on him. Um, he got you know all five touches on the goal line, which is fantastic to see. He broke off a 20-yard run, broke broke a couple ankles on the way to his first NFL touchdown. So I'm really excited that I ended up picking him up. I can promise you that I'm going to be playing him for daily fantasy in week two. He's very underpriced in my opinion, but we'll talk about that later on this week. Um, and number two, Will Fuller. Um, it's very apparent that Will Fuller is now the official wide receiver one of the Houston Texans. Uh, I believe he had 12 targets. He had uh, eight catches for 115 yards. He was used all over the field, used him in the slot, on the left side, on the right side. Deshaun Watson actually underthrew him, which should have been, it was garbage time, but it should have been a pretty much walk-in touchdown. Instead, Will Fuller had to come back and basically contest or uh, jump up with the cornerback, made a contested 30-yard catch down the field. Um, if he can stay healthy, I am, I am pretty positive that if you drafted him in the seventh or the eighth or, you know, even the sixth round or any of those three rounds, you're probably going to get a top 10 wide receiver. The Texans, I think are going to be playing from behind a whole lot. They didn't look too great this past week on a Thursday night. And Will Fuller is going to be the number one guy on that offense. So if he doesn't come up with any of those soft tissue injuries, you're looking at a guy that could potentially win your league for you. So, um, I'm really excited that I highlighted those two players. Michael Gallup played okay. Um, you know, the the Rams were a, a very, very solid defense. Um, uh, actually, to be honest, a little bit better than expected. I believe he only had three catches for 50 yards. Um, Dak Prescott looked all right. Uh, that's a guy that I didn't necessarily highlight, but I have on my regular uh, season-long fantasy league. And um, yeah, so overall, my highlighted guys are doing all right. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Will Fuller are the two ones that I really wanted to focus on, and they're doing great. So uh, moving on to a little bit of daily fantasy. This past week, like I said, I I put in $54 and I profited uh, $75, so I got about $120 back. Um, It was a good week. The first couple weeks are always very, very shaky in regards to the pricing that FanDuel and DraftKings use. So Believe it or not, more times than than not, you can do better than you think you would have uh, because they severely underprice guys. So if you kind of know what you're doing, you can really profit the first couple weeks. Like last year, I ended up uh, playing Lamar Jackson and ended up winning 100 bucks on that individual lineup alone because Lamar Jackson was being priced as like a, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback and he lit it up for I believe like 35 or 36 fantasy points week one against the Miami Dolphins and basically won me that week by himself Um, so like I said it's all about how you kind of match the price with the value of that individual player Um, my top scoring lineup 
I scored 173 points. Now I only played, like I said, I only played $54 and I played eight individual lineups. So typically what I do the first couple weeks is I, I try to scatter as many lineups as possible without, without much correlation, which basically kind of assures me that I'm going to get some type of production from players that I kind of singled out. But if I'm really off on a player that I had a whole bunch of exposure to, so I basically played him a whole lot, it won't kill me. So the first couple of weeks when the pricing is really kind of weird, you don't know how the teams are really going to be playing, especially with no preseason this year. I try to st- take like a scattershot approach and just spray out as many lineups as I could. And it ended up doing okay for me. I wish I played a couple more selective ones, which I'll start to do starting next week. Um, so 173 points uh, in a single entry, um, 23,000, uh, Sunday NFL contest. Um, so the total prize pool was $25,000. I put in $3. I got out 15, which was a little bit surprising. I thought I was going to get more, you know, since I scored 173 points, but this lineup was, um, Cam Newton, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, Devontae Adams, Hollywood Brown, Adam Thielen, George Kittle, Antonio Gibson, and the Indianapolis Colts. So it's pretty obvious. Um, I, I, you know, Cam Newton played incredibly well. My wide receivers really kind of carried uh, the majority of the load. Devontae Adams had 116 yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen had 100 yards, two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs did incredibly well as, um, um, as well, but the two kind of uh, hiccups that I had within this lineup were George Kittle and Antonio Gibson. Um, George Kittle, I had the most exposure to other than Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton obviously played great. Uh, Two rushing touchdowns from Cam. But George Kittle, I thought, was going to have a monster day, almost like what Mark Andrews had. The 49ers were down a whole bunch of wide receivers. They were playing the Arizona Cardinals, who were statistically the worst team against the tight end position in in the NFL last year. And they really didn't draft anybody to help out that situation. They're not even starting Isaiah Simmons yet, at least. So I thought George Kittle was an absolute smash bot, and he very much underproduced or uh, underperformed. Let's see how many he had. He had four receptions for 44 yards, and I believe he had one rush for nine yards. So he was definitely a dud. And uh, for his price point, $8,000, he was more expensive than uh, pretty much every single one Every single one of my players except for uh, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, and Devontae Adams. So to have one of your highest-priced guys not give you at least double-digit points really kind of sinks your lineup. Um so that's that's definitely a big killer. And Antonio Gibson, I got a little bit of production out of him. Um, I believe he had 44 yards rushing and caught a couple passes. Uh, but his price point was so low. I believe he was in the 4,000s, which is like almost dirt cheap in regards to uh, FanDuel. So I was a little bit disappointed with him. He was getting a whole bunch of hype. I have him in my regular season league as well. Didn't play him, which is good. Um so Antonio Gibson and George Kittle were by far the two big kind of weaknesses for, for that individual team. So let's say I, I subbed out, you know, George Kittle for Mark Andrews and kept this team the exact same. I would have scored about 200 points, and that's usually gets me into the top 50, top 20 of all these tournaments. Um, I placed in this tournament, there were 9,920. I placed 136th. So not terrible, still pretty good, but, um, the payout wasn't really great. I made five X off the $3. Um, the highest paying individual, uh, lineup that I put in was not the highest scoring, but the highest, uh, highest 
money I got back was a single entry, uh, $25 entry. And for this lineup, I played uh, Cam Newton, Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Hollywood Brown, Brian Edwards, George Kittle, Marlon Mack, and the Indianapolis Colts. This scored uh, 147.8 points, and I got $50 off of my $25, so I doubled my money. Now, um, this this lineup was good. Obviously, you know, I had... Uh, this you, I'm kind of showing you that I keep the same core of players whenever I like a matchup. So I love the Cam Newton against the Dolphins matchup. I love Josh Jacobs against the Panthers. I'm going to be hammering the Panthers defense um, all uh, all season long. So um, basically, I'm just trying to show you guys that I have a little bit of a core lineup, and then I fill in. You know, the first lineup that I told you guys was Chris Carson. Uh, with Josh Jacobs. This one was Alvin Kamara, who played incredibly well, you know, should have had three touchdowns actually, but um, he ended up with two. But um, yeah, so basically what I try to do is I try to fill a certain core, the best matchups that I see from an individual perspective, and then I fill in with other guys that could pop. So other guys that could really kind of show out and, and, and play well. And that's my strategy. And like I said, I only do single entries and limited entries. And I'll get into that a little bit more um, coming up in the next podcast, it should be around out maybe Thursday or Friday, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty about actual daily fantasy strategy and what I've done to kind of help me out a little bit. Um, but that is it for episode three of the Leiden podcast. We covered a whole bunch of Patriots, uh, especially Cam Newton. We covered the Boston Celtics previewing their matchup with the uh, Miami Heat for the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we talked a little bit about daily fantasy, a little recap from this first weekend. Profitable weekend, did all right. And uh, yeah, so let me know. Um, I'm ending every single segment. Just, you know, let me know what you guys think. If you guys want to reach out to me through text, Twitter, Instagram, DM me. Um, the one thing that I want to start doing, especially for fantasy football is if you guys have a good week, if anybody's listened to this and you have a good week, whether it be regular fantasy or daily fantasy, just send a screenshot my way. I'm going to, I'll post it on my, on my podcast. If you're listening to the show, I'll be able to kind of toss that out there and, and kind of show guys, you know, there is some success in, in fantasy football. If you do your homework, if you listen to podcasts, I do a ton of it. So if I can help anyone out, then, then let me know. And I'll try to, I'll try to give you a little shout out. So once again, that is it. New episode should be coming out sometime later this week. Thank you all for listening. Please follow along to the Twitter and Instagram, and I'll talk to you guys soon.